Welcome to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast with Darren Mitchell. If you're a sales letter looking to take your leadership to a whole new level, then this is the podcast for you. We'll be exploring tips, techniques, and strategies to help you take your leadership to the exceptional level and allow you to enjoy more money, more meaning, and better sales results. G'day and welcome back to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. Darren Mitchell here on this 8th of July, Friday the 8th of July 2022, the final working day of the working week. And I trust you've had a fantastic week in sales and sales leadership and very much looking forward to a rest over the weekend so you can recuperate, regenerate and get ready to reload next week and take advantage of all those opportunities that are no doubt in front of you and your team. As we finish up this week, I wanted to reflect on a few conversations I've had this week in relation to sales leadership and particularly managing performance of salespeople and getting performance back on track. And there's been a number of conversations and a bit of a theme that's come out of those conversations this week with a lot of sales leaders struggling a little bit in terms of how to manage effectively the performance of their team. Now, many people, unfortunately, are forced to go into the official and formalized performance management process, which is, uh, I'm not sure whether you've gone through this, but I certainly have. It is onerous, it is challenging, uh, and it is not pleasant either for the sales manager, sales letter, but certainly not pleasant for the person going through it as well. And I I do not wish it upon anybody. So anytime we can go, go through a process to avoid having to go through that formalized process, I think is a good thing. And one of the worst experiences I've had is is way, way, way back in the day where I was um, I was managing a person around performance and unfortunately this individual was refusing to take any responsibility or accountability for their situation, for their behavior and certainly for their performance to the point where they forced me into a performance management process, which was not pleasant. In fact, uh, I won't go into the gory details, but to suffice to say there were potential Lawsuits happening, uh, police and security were involved, and it was not a good time to be a sales leader. But the great thing about that is I learned a huge amount from it, and I learned that if uh, if we can put in place a number of strategies, some tactics, and some thinking in relation to performance and helping our team stay on track, and when they get off track, help them correct their performance as quickly as possible using some tried and true and tried and trusted strategies and tactics, then it's a much better outcome because not only does the person get back on track, there's a higher probability of that performance now becoming a little bit more sustainable over the term because you know they know that you're there to help them. You're not there to criticize and condemn and ultimately get rid of them. And unfortunately, I see a lot of this happening today as well, that a lot of sales leaders are forced into that formalized process and people feel as if they're being victimized and it's not, it's not a good experience for anybody. So if we can avoid that, that would be the best case scenario. So in today's episode, I just want to reflect on a few conversations that I've had and a few models that are useful when it comes to performance and getting people back on track. And it's really about how do we how do we help a sales team? How do we help individuals that perhaps have fallen behind and may not know what it is that's causing it, or they may know, but they're just, for whatever reason, can't bring themselves to change their behavior. How can we help them get back on track and get, get back to exhibiting and demonstrating the behaviors that we know will ultimately deliver some results so that over time through consistency those results can become more sustainable and a number of the conversations i've had this week we first and foremost talked about well what are some of the reasons for people underperforming or not necessarily being at the level that we know they're capable of and ultimately the level that they know they're capable of and there's a whole host of different uh different reasons and it could be as as far reaching as 
things like the employee or the person that's in your team for whatever reason doesn't have absolute clarity in terms of what the standards of behavior are that are expected. They may not necessarily have clear role responsibilities and role clarity, although in a lot of cases I find that's a bit of a cop-out because most sales leaders that I work with are very, very clear on what the key KPIs are, what the key behavior traits are, and they are relentless in terms of measuring performance and behavior against those. So that's that's a bit of a furphy, but in some cases it may well be true that the standards and expectations are not really clear. There could be a lack of knowledge that the salesperson is is possessing or they've got some gaps that perhaps they don't want to uh, have exposed, which leads to them not necessarily performing at the level that they would like to. They may even find that there's no no feedback or limited feedback or little feedback on performance. And this is, this is one of the biggest causes actually for underperformance, particularly when you have organizations that believe that the one-on-one or regular counseling, regular feedback, regular coaching sessions is not expected or not required. And the only feedback is given at the quarterly, half yearly or full year performance review. Is it any wonder that a lot of organizations are struggling because they're not, they're not doing the, the catch-ups, they're not doing the interventions when they need to. So there's no counseling, no feedback. You might also have a lack of personal motivation on the individual that's uh, that's actually working in your team, or in fact, there might be some stuff happening outside of work that might be impacting the person's ability to be effective at work. So there's a whole host of different reasons as to why there might be some underperformance happening. Our role as sales leaders is to find out very quickly uh, and without emotion, this is the key thing, very factually and very objectively trying to understand what is causing the particular underperformance and how we can actually rectify that. Uh, in, a, in a most effective way. And I'll, I'll share a couple of models in which to do that today. But first and foremost, when it comes to underperformance, one of the key things that we have to do with sales leaders is not jump, jump to conclusions. I'm staggered at the number of sales leaders that uh, need to get their salespeople back on track when performance is dipping and unfortunately spend most of their time on focusing, hey, make more calls, uh, have more meetings, conduct more conversion conversations, expand your pipeline. And it's all about the practical things they believe is going to actually change the result. And they don't get to the bottom or the root cause of the problem. Oftentimes, they'll think, well, if I just make more calls or if you just have more meetings or if you expand your pipeline and identify more opportunities, then just through the sheer weight of numbers, your performance will turn around. And it's not helpful because it doesn't identify the core root cause of what the problem is. Now, as a sales leader, before we have any conversation, there's one thing we have to be really conscious of, and we've got to ask ourselves some questions around the particular person and their performance. And first and foremost, we've got to understand and ask, is this a capability issue? So does the person not have the capability? Are they missing a level of skill set? Or is there a lack of motivation or willingness to get things done? So I often use with sales leaders a matrix called the skill will matrix, which essentially talks about depending on where somebody's sitting in relation to the level of motivation and their level of capability, that will determine what we actually do in terms of having a conversation with that particular person and the context of that conversation. So for example, if somebody has a low level of capability or low level of skill set and they've got a low level of motivation or willingness to do the job, and sometimes this could be a lack of willingness to turn up on time, then as a sales leader, we need to be very direct. We need to be very prescriptive and almost remove the the opportunity for this person to go outside the circle, go outside the square. They have to be following the bouncing ball. Do this, do that, do this. This is what we're going to get you to do. And you might have to ride shotgun with them. You might have to look over their shoulder, not micromanage them, but just keep a watching brief on them. So the way you approach them is to be very direct. 
if you've got somebody who has a low level of skill set or low level of capability and perhaps their level of motivation is high but they've just lost their way a little bit, then maybe we just need to be more of a guide. You may still have to provide some direction, but you won't necessarily have to look over their shoulder as much because they've got a higher level of intrinsic motivation to get things done. So your role is more to have a watching brief, but give them a little bit more leeway in terms of how to do things, hoping that over time they'll actually build a level of skill set because they do have a level of motivation. When you've got somebody though that has a high level of capability and for whatever reason they've lost their mojo, they've lost their motivation, they've lost their willingness to do do the things that are necessary, we've got to create an environment that hopefully inspires that person to lift their game. Now, there could be, uh, it could be an opportunity to provide them with more opportunities, more responsibility. That can be sometimes a challenging situation, particularly when you've got a senior leader who's looking at you to manage performance by giving this person extra responsibility. Sometimes that can be considered to be a reward. Uh, but So we've got to re- be really careful about that. The other thing to think about is perhaps buddy them up with somebody who they can work with who happens to have a high level of motivation. And the hope there is that working with that individual and watching them go about their business the intrinsic motivation can actually be transferred from the person who is more highly motivated to the person who is not. The only danger with this one, of course, is to make sure that based on personality types, the person who you're trying to inspire is not a more uh, solid or more dominant type of personality to the point where the person who is more inspired all of a sudden becomes less inspired by working with them. But if you've got somebody who is highly skillful and lacking in motivation, then maybe the inspiration part is a key thing. Ultimately, where we want to get to is we want to get to a point where we've got people who are not only highly motivated to do the job, but they've also got a high level of capability and a high level of skill set. So we're going to stretch them. Now, this is utopia. You're not going to necessarily have every single person in your team reach this reach this quadrant, but that is the aim. That is the objective. So when it comes to managing and correcting for performance, the first thing we've got to think about is the conversation we're about to have with this person who is underperforming. Is it going to be focused on their lack of motivation or is it going to be focused on the lack of skill set that we need to fill? And how you go about that will therefore be different and the content will be different in terms of the conversation. Now, another key thing to think about before having the conversation is we've got to be well prepared before jumping into the conversation. So there's nothing worse than jumping into a conversation with no information and quote unquote winging it. It will just not work. I've done it before and it doesn't work. Sometimes you might catch lightning in a bottle because the person who you're having the conversation with has a high level of self-awareness, but in most cases, you need to have preparation. And in the preparation part, before correcting the performance, there are three key things we have to consider. Number one, we've got to think about what is the intention of me as a sales leader? The person who's going to be having this conversation with a person who's underperforming, what is my intention? Is my intention to get them back on track? Is my intention to help them? Or is my intention to criticize them, to condemn them? sometimes to move them out of the business. We have to be really conscious of what that is because sometimes our own thought process, our own feelings, and our own opinions of the person can uh, sometimes cloud the content of the conversation itself. So we've got to really, really clear up front, what is my intention of this conversation? Now, the second part of this is, what is going to be the emotional charge of the person who's going to be receiving this information? So the person you're going to be having a conversation with How mentally ready are they and how emotionally ready are they for this conversation? Now, many people say to me, this is a really difficult one because there's a lot of people within sales teams who pull the highly emotional card or they'll try to avoid uh, catching up, having a meeting, or they'll deflect attention away from somebody else. What I'm saying here is the person needs to know that we're going to have the conversation and we're not going to avoid the conversation. So it has to happen. 
We need to be conscious though that at the time the conversation is going to happen, are they in a mental state of mind to be able to receive the information that's going to come forth? If that's not the case, then we need to actually reschedule it. But you need to make sure that it's really, really well known that we will be having the conversation at some point. And it's not some point in the next three months. It's some point in the next couple of days because we need to nip this in the bud as quickly as possible. And the third key thing around this to consider around correcting performance is to make sure that we have data and that we have content. There is no point having a conversation about somebody around their performance if you cannot back it up because as sure as the sun's going to come up tomorrow, one of the first questions they're going to ask you is, hey, prove it. Prove to me that my numbers are not where it needs to be. Prove to me that I've been late. Prove to me that I've done this or done that. So you better have some evidence to support your thesis as to what you're having the conversation about. So they're the three key things to think about before you jump into the conversation. What is your intention first and foremost? What is the emotional receptability, if you like, of the person you're about to have the conversation with? And do you have the data and the content? So are you prepared with evidence to support the conversation you're about to have? Now, if you do those three things well, then it paves the way to now launch into the conversation. Now, depending on your personal behavior style, there are two different types of styles you might be able to use in order to get the best outcome for this particular person and help them get back on track and correct their performance. The first path is what I call the empathetic route, and this is where we're looking for a win-win outcome. Now, there are two key dimensions to consider here. One is You've got to have a level of courage to lean forward and have the conversation. And the second thing is you're going to be considering that person's point of view, their perspective, and everything associated with that. So it's going to be a two-way conversation because you're looking for buy-in from that individual. Where we want to get to is to the point where we've got a high level of courage to have the conversation, but also a high level of consideration from the other person's perspective because it's about seeking to understand. Because through that conversation, you may find that in fact there's some things that are happening outside of work which is having a detrimental impact on their ability to be functional at work. Now, if they, if we create an environment where they're able to share that and they're happy and comfortable sharing that, it may well be that we can help them through that process and get them back on track really quickly. What we have to be conscious of, of though, is if we have a low level of courage to have the conversation and we don't necessarily consider their perspective either, then both of us are going to lose because there's little or any opportunity of really getting to the crux of the issue and getting them back on track. If we also have a high level of courage to lean in and have the conversation and we're not considering their perspective, again, it becomes a very one-dimensional one conversation, then there's a high level of courage where we're going to win, so we'll have the conversation, but they're going to feel like the loser, so there's nothing in it for them, so it's certainly not a win-win outcome. And the, and the other end of the spectrum there is if, if we have a low level of courage to the point where we're reluctant to have the conversation, but we're always considering the other party's perspective, uh, almost to the exclusion of anything else, then they end up winning and we end up losing and ultimately the performance doesn't change. So where we want to get to from the empathetic point of view is certainly have the courage to have the conversation but also consider their perspective so we can understand that, empathize with that and work with them to create a mutually beneficial outcome. Because at the end of the day, we need to get them back on track. There are certain things that they need to achieve. There are certain behaviors they need to demonstrate there's also we have some responsibility to make sure that they are in a fit state of mind as well in order to be able to do that. So the empathetic route for many people is the most effective way to conduct this performance conversation. The other path to take is what we know as the assertive route. And for many uh, personality styles, particularly people who love to get just talk business and get straight to the point, the assertive route is a lot more comfortable to have because it's based on practical business outcomes, it's based on key business principles, and it's a simple three-step process 
that they go through. So the assertive route is as simple as this. Step number one is we have to be very, very clear in defining what the problem is. And this is absolutely critical. It's about defining crystal clear clarity on what is the root cause of the problem. Now, this could be a one-way conversation, but the most effective conversations around performance we know is a two-way conversation as well to get buy-in from the individual, but looking at it from a purely factual point of view. So first and foremost, if we are able to define what the problem is, the second step is to then be able to identify what a solution is to that particular problem. And it has to be, again, really, really clear in terms of that solution. The best case scenario, of course, is to have the person having this performance conversation with to come up with the solutions or possible solutions as to how to solve the problem, how to get their performance back on track. Because when they come up with the ideas, rather than the sales leader being prescriptive on what the things are that they want them to do, there's a high probability of them taking ownership of that, which is step number three. We've then got to transfer the ownership to the individual for them to take accountability, for them to demonstrate the behaviors, for them to get get back on track. So we have to have a crystal, crystal clear outcome in terms of what the uh, what the performance looks like when they are back on track. So for many people, the assertive route is actually one of the one of the most effective ones because it's a simple three-step process, clear, clearly define what the problem is, identify what the solution is to that problem, and it won't be, let's just say, it will not be making a heap of more phone calls. It will not be extending your sales pipeline. It'll be demonstrating specific behaviors that you know over time will get people back on track. And then transferring the ownership is about that person taking accountability and you as a sales leader making sure that you're driving that accountability but also making sure you're going to be following up on a regular basis with that individual because you've got to remember what is your intention here. Your intention is to not get rid of them. Your intention is to get them back on track because I'm going to presuppose that every single person in your team you have a certain belief about that they are capable and with your assistance, they can become exceptional salespeople. So that is the assertive route. So hopefully that, as we wrap up this particular episode, gives you a little bit of information and a few insights in terms of if you've got people within your team right now that perhaps are not performing at the level you know they're capable of and you need to have a conversation, then start thinking about some of the topics we've spoken about today. And hopefully that will give you some insights in terms of uh, being a little bit more comfortable and a little bit more confident in having the conversation around correcting performance. Now, if we do this over and over again, uh, and that's not to say that you're going to want to have people dropping their dropping the bundle and, and dropping their performance over time, but in all reality, there will be peaks and troughs. There'll be times when performance will drop. Our role as a sales leader is to get them back on track as quickly as possible because we do not want to go through the formalized performance management process. So I trust that message helps. And uh, I trust that message reaches you at the right time. So before we sign off on this final episode of the Working Week, if you are looking for any assistance with your sales team, whether it be facilitation of strategy, account planning, or anything to do with sales training, I'd love to have the opportunity of having a conversation with you and seeing how I may be able to help you. As well as that, talking about how I can help you become an exceptional sales leader by working one-on-one with me over the next 90 days. Simply go to my calendar at leadwithdarren.com. Pick a time that suits, we'll jump on Zoom, have a conversation, map out a plan, and get working on executing that plan. So look forward to that conversation, and as always, look forward to sharing with you on the very next episode of the Exceptional Sales Leader Podcast. All the best. Thank you for listening to the Exceptional Sales Letter Podcast. I trust the information in this episode has been helpful in your journey towards becoming exceptional. And remember, please take the time to rate the show, subscribe to the show so other people can find it. But also, if I can help you, jump on my calendar, go to leadwithdarren.com and let's have a conversation about how I can help you along your journey to being exceptional.